On the program tonight, slipping support. Are you seriously keep on asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's what's wrong with you? Have you not seen what happened? We're fighting Nazis. We don't target them. We'll expose the turn against Israel even before they defend themselves. Why are they held to a double standard? And show you the new horrors uncovered almost a week after the attacks. Yet some would make you believe the stories of slaughtered babies are made up. Whether it's the stories of visited babies or the rape, I just want to make sure that you are 100% sure of these stories. Plus, what will Hamas's day of jihad look like in America now it's so clear they have massive support? Biden blues. Despite praise from Democrats on his Israel response, why new polls show Americans still think he's too old for the job. And celebrating average. New ACT scores show the effects of dumbing down America. Idiot. Well, the lowest scores in 32 years force teachers and school boards to change their ways. It is 2 a.m. in Gaza, where the ground invasion has not started. As you can see, it is pitch black without electricity there. We're going to get to why the ground war is taking so long to start in a minute until it does. Coverage of the war will look remarkably like Groundhog Day, especially at night. First this evening, though, sadly, we must report to you the tide of public opinion is turning against Israel. Of course, President Biden and others are saying all of the right things, standing shoulder to shoulder and on and on. But it's happening. And Israel knows this. They know once again they will be on its their own, blue and white, as they call it. On that note, images have surfaced that are absolutely sickening. The Israeli prime minister's office today put out pictures of the babies burned alive and beheaded by Hamas. It's dinner time, so we're not going to show them to you. But they exist. You need to see them. I've linked to them on my social media, at Leland Vitter, on Twitter and on Instagram. It's important to take a look so you know what really happened. And it will make what I am about to tell you even more maddening. Prime Minister Netanyahu also showed those pictures to the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. Blinken arrived in Israel this morning, and he said all the right things about supporting Israel and Hamas being bad. And then he said this. So the Prime Minister and I discussed how Israel does this matters. Huh. I lived in Jerusalem for four years covered lots of conflicts with the Palestinians and Gaza wars. Let me translate what Blinken said. Even before the ground invasion of Gaza begins, even before Israel gets the chance to fight the group that wants to wipe it off the face of the earth, the United States is setting the table to tell Israel to stop. The headlines are always, we stand with Israel, blah, blah, blah. But it's not just Anthony Blinken. Listen closely to President Biden's speech on Tuesday. We also discussed how democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger and more secure when we act according to the rule of law. Terrorists purposely target civilians, kill them. We uphold the laws of war, the law of war. It matters. There's a difference. 
That is a dog whistle to the anti-Israel crowd, the pro-terrorist crowd. Anytime Israel defends itself, the UN and the Europeans and the Arabs all scream about international law. And not to be left out, of course, Bernie Sanders just put out a statement. It's wrong. America must demand restraint from Israel. Israelis' blanket denial of food, water, and other necessities to Gaza is a serious violation, wait for it, of international law. Asking Israel to provide power, food, medicine, and fuel to Gaza would be like asking Britain and the Allies to provide Nazi Germany with fuel during World War II. It's absurd on its face. But for some reason, Israel is held to that standard. The rest of the Arab world is, of course, not held to that standard, but Israel is. And, of course, nobody knows exactly what Hamas has waiting for Israeli troops when they go inside Gaza. But the more precise Israeli troops are, the more danger they put themselves in. Israel, of course, can turn Gaza into a parking lot from the air if it wants to. But they won't because they know of the political blowback. Now we're in a political debate, not a military debate. The more difficult the fighting becomes, the more aggressive the Israeli tactics have to get, the more political pressure will come to stop. And we are already seeing the discussions of a humanitarian disaster inside Gaza. They're wiping us out. This is genocide. It's, it's not even an attack anymore. And they keep saying, leave the Gaza Strip where to? They bombed, they bombed everything. Apocalyptic scenes in Gaza this morning as whole districts are wiped out and entire neighborhoods destroyed by Israeli bombs. This man in Gaza saying, they killed our children and killed us. The Israelis haven't even had time to bury their dead. And never mind, a lot of the damage you are seeing in Gaza is from years ago. Of course, the media doesn't make the distinction there. That's the U.S. media. The international media is even more direct. And what about those Palestinians in hospital who are on life support and babies and incubators whose life support and incubator will have to be turned off because the Israelis have cut the power to Gaza? Are you seriously keep on asking me about Palestinian civilians? What's what's wrong with you? Have you not seen what happened? We're fighting Nazis. We don't target them. Now, the world can come and bring them anything they want. If you want to bring them electricity, I'm not going to feed electricity or water to my enemies. Hmm. Don't worry. That's coming to American media soon. Just give it a few days. Egypt, too, of course, could offer food, fuel, medical supplies, but you won't see the Egyptians vilified on CNN or MSNBC. In fact, Egypt also shares a 20-mile border with Gaza, a border they could be used to create a humanitarian corridor for medical aid. They could let civilians escape. They could find them safe, safe havens, perhaps, in Qatar, in the Emirates, or in Morocco, or in Egypt. The Egyptians don't want anything to do with helping the Gaza people, nor does the rest of the Arab world. The suffering Palestinians are on their own. They're more useful suffering to make a point about Israel than they are useful to help. The Qataris and Iranians, well, they back Hamas. They created this mess. They continue this mess. Hamas keeps the civilians inside Gaza. Turkey and Saudi Arabia don't seem that interested in helping either. In the coming weeks, you're gonna hear a lot about what Israel has shut off to Gaza, including water. What you won't hear is that Gaza has its own water supply, I should say had, until Hamas destroyed it. Hamas just released video of its digging up water pipes to turn them into rockets. 
Yet Israel, as you heard, will get blamed for lack of water. That is just one of many examples of what you will see over the next few weeks. The ground war will be ugly beyond words. War is ugly. And fighting against a group of religious fanatics who behead babies and use human shields and keep civilians in the battlefield makes it only worse. And let's not forget the celebrations in the street on Saturday. The very same people who celebrated the slaughter of Israelis are now complaining they aren't getting electricity from Israel. Israel will now have to fight down those very same streets, all while getting lectured by the American international media about international law and the suffering of the Gaza people. All happened in less than a week. Here now, former Israeli diplomat Shohar Azakni, who is with us, uh, used to work at the uh, UN mission, I believe, to the United Nations. It's good to see you, sir. We, have, we appreciate it. Um, look, when the United States and the international coalitions took out ISIS, they basically leveled Mosul. We have some pictures of, of the damage there. It's far worse than anything we've seen coming out of Gaza. Nobody seemed to really mind there. What do you make of the double standard for Israel? Well, first of all, I was at the consulate in New York, but it's still okay. the same, the same, front, the same front line for Israel. Listen, Leland, you gave an excellent description right at the outset. We have been fighting this bias against Israel for years. Bias, by the way, that I can share with you and your viewers. Uh, during my term as a diplomat, we met with different missions who came to recommend to Israel and the IDF what they need to do against missiles coming from Gaza and against terror. So most of the time, they used to come to reprimand us for the, for the way we conduct the operation. So in one of those meetings, Leland, we paused before even speaking, and we said, you know, before we start with our agenda, why don't you tell us, instead of criticism, how should we operate against Hamas's terror, bearing in mind that it's using um, its civilians as cannon fodder? The response we got after a 20-second silence was, that's not the purpose why we're here. Because people can't answer the question that when it comes to Israel, the focus and the demands are such that are unmade in any other case in the world. Now, in, you mentioned perfectly that the Brits would not support the Nazis in Dresden, and we for sure will not support the Nazi Hamas right here in Gaza. And in yeah. addition, I'll just, I'll just state, when it comes to international law, the IDF is already, even now, abiding by international law to the letter. What we used to do, Leland, is do even better than international law. We used to call the terrorists and ask them to leave the apartment so that we can bombard it. We used to drop off those no, notes. No, look, I, 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 covered, I, I, I know, I, co I covered it. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm hoping we have the picture of Mosul um, because it really does show um, what, what America did, and rightfully so, to ISIS. Um, and nobody seemed to care. Uh, and yet now now there is this double standard. Why why does the media, you think, not, that's what, that's Mosul. Why do you think the media does not hold the Arab world to account on this? Egypt uh, could very easily take in uh, huge numbers of refugees. They could be offered safe haven and safe travel to the Emirates, to Saudi, to all of these other countries that seem so concerned with the Palestinians. Right, and, and you, you mentioned Egypt. The Rafah crossing is closed. The Egyptians can very easily open it. And the only answer I can give you, Leland, is the one that resonates in my head. Why is the world treating Israel differently? Why is the yeah. world treating the Jew among the nations differently? Because Jews are treated with a level of anti-Semitism that manifests itself on different levels. This is definitely one of the ways to treat Israel. And we, by the way, will not have it. We will not have it in Israel. And what we've seen now within Israeli citizenry, and you've seen it in the response that you just showed of former Prime Minister Bennett, we've had enough.
what they have done is on a whole different level. And the kind of response yeah. they will receive, Hamas will pay for their crimes. That's a very you important know, is point. It, it's interesting the way you're talking, because I spent a lot of time talking to Israeli diplomats uh, when I was a foreign correspondent. And there was always a, a nod sort of to a proportional response and on and on and on. And, and that is now all gone. Uh, and rightfully so. Look, uh, it's an existential threat um, at this yeah, point. John, no thank you. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. And thank you for the heart yeah. and the support. Just know, Leland, it means a lot for everyone in Israel to hear and listen to your words. Um, it means the world in these dire times for us. Thank you. Well, we, we just try to be fair. Call it the way it is. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. On college campuses across America, celebrations of the Israeli terror attack, celebrations, took place again today. Of course, people in America never protested in favor of ISIS. If they did, they would have gotten prompt visits from the FBI. Uh, one has to wonder what these people will be doing tomorrow to celebrate Hamas's declared day of jihad. In New York, the NYPD is worried enough to order a full call-out. They're already stationed outside of synagogues. Bobby Chacon is with us, formerly of the FBI, uh, who worked in New York. Bobby, it's good to see you. I appreciate it. I, my first question, uh, my last question, we not ran out of time to Shahar, was going to be, uh, look, you've seen what Hamas has done in Israel and will do. What's your warning to America now that Hamas has promised to bring jihad to America? I'll let you pick that up. Well, so it's great to be back with you, Leland. And I uh, totally agree with all of you said uh, this evening. Tonight. You're right on the money. I think, I, look, uh, eternal vigilance is, is tough to keep up in the long run. Um, but people tomorrow have to understand that they have to be on a heightened scale of alert. You said the NYPD. I know the LAPD is probably on a full tactical alert. Even in my small town in, in California here, we have extra uniformed police officers surrounding synagogues and things like that in anticipation of, look, the videos are clear. We we can't underestimate their savagery. We can't um, we can't doubt their willingness to do horrific damage to babies and to women. So why would you doubt their willingness to bring it here to this country or any other country? I think all the countries around the world should be on high alert in the next few days um, for the most terrific of attacks. Um, you hope that they don't happen, but shame on us if we're not prepared. All right, look, it sort of was unthinkable right after 9-11 to have pro-Al-Qaeda marches, unthinkable during ISIS even to have pro-ISIS marches. Um, and reasonable people can disagree that, that the Palestinians in the West Bank and Palestinians in Gaza deserve their own state or not or whatever you want to say. But it's very different now to come out on the street and celebrate the slaughter of a thousand civilians, right? This isn't marching because you want different land divisions in the West Bank, or you want the settlements to stop. This is this is very different. Um, who are all of these people? Are these all Americans who have been converted, or are all these these a bunch of people who have come into the United States? Well, these are you know a lot of them. The ones that I'm seeing in here in the U.S. are just misguided, ignorant. Uh, youth or progressives. You know, a generation ago, I grew up with people wearing T-shirts with Che Guevara's uh, image on them, a mass murderer who was responsible for the brutal killing of tens of millions of people. You know, and they didn't, you know, so so they look at this as a cause celeb. They're in the streets, but but to be there and to promote people that are saying, gas the Jews, gas the Jews, on the streets of America, this is unheard of. This is a level of savagery we've seen. And by the way, Hamas just showed who, who they are. They didn't raise the level. That's who they are. Yeah. That's who they've always been. And and so we're just seeing it now because we have cell phones and they attacked a, a, 
a music festival. No, 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 people, it, it's a great. Look, back back when I was when I was in Israel, Hamas used to always say we are not anti-Semitic. We are only anti-Zionist, right? We would never hurt Jews outside of Israel, and now they're calling for jihad in America. So, uh, there you go, uh, Bobby. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. It turns out, speaking of college campuses. Those 34 Harvard University student groups, well, they signed that letter this weekend blaming Israel for all the violence. Yeah, they blamed Israel, not They don't have the guts to actually stand behind their words. It's shocking, I know. Today, some are now claiming harassment. The conservative media group Accuracy in Media started driving billboards around campus revealing who they claim signed on to the letter. I'm not sure why we blurred the pictures. Over the weekend... They wrote, we, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all the unfolding violence. The apartheid regime is only one to blame. But they don't like their pictures being shown that they signed that letter. A handful of CEOs took note and asked for names of those in the organizations. They didn't want people who supported terrorists working for them. But now the CEOs are somehow harassing the kids. This is a tweet from a Harvard Law student, Mahani Tangri. She says, I'm a Harvard Law student. Congratulations. So I know many members had no say in whether their organization signed either letter. Many weren't even notified that their organizations were considering doing this. No need for this level of harassment. We asked Moni to come on. She refused. We would have asked if any of her friends had perhaps wanted to speak out and say, I'm going to resign from this group. But she didn't want to come on. Bill Ackman, who originally asked for the club members, wrote, it is not harassment to seek to understand the character of the candidates that you are considering for employment. And as we said, there are a few members, though, of the club publicly denouncing the letter. We would love to have any of them on. So far, we haven't been able to connect. The university, of course, Harvard University, some are now calling it Hamas Harvard, still has the spine of overcooked spaghetti. And not to be outdone, Harvard's Arab Alumni Association wants its members to consider providing, quote, legal counsel, health care, mental health support, financial aid, or mentorship to those that signed the letter. Speaking of higher education, new numbers show just how effective the dumbing down of America really is. What's next in the fight for academic equity after test scores came in at a 32-year low? Plus, new polls have Democrats worried President Biden's age might actually change things this election. Why this week's events make the age question even more interesting. And live pictures, as we told you, of Gaza. All quiet before the storm. Back there is news warrants, plus new details on what Hamas has planned for those invading Israeli soldiers. It's 3 a.m. and your children are safe and asleep. But there's a phone in the White House and it's ringing. Something's happening in the world. Your vote will decide who answers that call. Hmm. As we now know, President Biden didn't get a 3 a.m. phone call when the war in Israel began. That ad by Hillary Clinton in 2008 meant to challenge Barack Obama's judgment. Now it works the other way around for President Biden. In two columns this week that got very little notice should ring loud alarm bells inside the Biden re-election camp. Jonathan Martin, hardly a right-winger of Politico, writes, the most pressing political challenge confronting Joe Biden as he drifts uncontested towards renomination is that which he can do the least about. 
voters profound misgivings about his age and fitness to serve another full term. Chuck Todd, again, hardly a right-wing nut of NBC News. The folks wringing their hands the most about whether Biden is up to the task of winning in 2024 are people who in many cases have already endorsed him for re-election. A few even work directly for him. Laurier Watkins here, former Obama policy advisor. Um, the 3 a.m. phone call ad did not work for Hillary Clinton. Would it work against Joe Biden? Thank you for having me on your program yes. tonight. I think that that 3 a.m. ad, you know, it's in the past. But I do, I will say that as somebody who used to work in the Obama-Biden administration and on both of those campaigns, I want to see a lot more out of this president. I want to see a lot more of him on the trail. I want to see a lot more of him out in action. But speaking to an ad, I think that he needs to show the American public, and he can do that in very specific ways, that he is up to the task, that he is fit to run for re-election. Well, you say he can, okay? If he could, wouldn't he be doing that? Well, I think that there are some advisors that are uh, advising against that, and I think Joe Biden also has a mind of his own, and he's decided that if he does that, that it might show weakness. But I think what the American public is looking for is acknowledgement of his age, not running from it and not saying, watch me. That's the thing. We yeah. are watching. No, but we're watching. And look, America is at its strongest when the president of the United States is respected at home and abroad. That's just the way it is. We should all root for our president. He's all of our presidents, um, whether you agree or disagree with his policies. But the things that they are doing are intentionally limiting him, right? He, he doesn't go out in front of the press. He's doing the little fake jog thing to and from Marine One. Uh, he uses the mini stairs on Air Force One, on and on and on. So is it that the advisors don't have his best interest at heart or are they, or are they perhaps having a knowledge that you don't that if we do put him out there, it's gonna get even worse? I think there's some of both. I think that President Biden doesn't want to appear in a certain way. Some people, I want to single out men, but they have a hard time sometimes acknowledging their age and that they're getting older. That could be with your sight, the way you speak, your hearing, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the staff is trying to make, uh, make it as easy as possible for him to do the things he's doing. But in the end, I think it's making him appear older than he is. Uh, and the line that I said, you know, watch me. That's the thing we are watching. And a lot of folks, that makes them very nervous. And the overall American electorate is nervous that he's not up to the task. And I think a perfect opportunity that he could have is to go and sit with Jill Biden in front of a camera and talk about his age and talk about why they, why he's ready for the job of re-election and that he wouldn't be doing this unless he was up to the task. That's all the American public wants is acknowledgement. Be straight and clear with them. That's a good point. The American people are awfully forgiving and understanding if you're honest with them. It's one of the great parts about our country. It's good to see you as always. Thank, Thank you. you. Coming up next, mapping out the dangers facing Israeli soldiers in a full-scale invasion of Gaza. Literally every street corner, every window, every alley. And of course, all of the tunnels can hold Hamas fighters. Back with the maps in a minute. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, 
What do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name, but more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings today with special savings at Family Dollar. Serving in Afghanistan, I was shot in the head by sniper fire. I was given a 5% chance to live. I'm Adam Alexander, and I'm a veteran. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I tell kids that with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is being there for the next generation. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Hey, everyone. Operation Lifesaver here. Today, we're going to find out what delivery drivers know about railroad safety. What do you do if your vehicle gets stuck on the railroad tracks? Get out of the car. Correct. Do you take the pizza? No, then I call my boss. No, then you call the number on the blue and white ENS sign. And tell them I'm stuck on the crossing ID number. Exactly. Remember, get out, get away. Find the blue and white sign to save your life. Leave the pizza. See tracks? Think train. For more information, go to OLI.org. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end, but good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did, and just maybe someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. This Halloween, a spell is being cast with a flick of the wrist and a sneaky nose twitch. Antenna TV is conjuring an entire day of Bewitched on Antenna TV's Witch-O-Ween. October 31st, all day long. This Halloween, we do warn buckets and buckets of candy corn. Ah! (laughs) On the Sabrina the Teenage Witch-O-Ween Marathon, all day October 31st, starting at 9 Eastern on Rewind TV. Kids ask their parents a lot of questions. Why can't people fly? Gravity. Is the moon really made of cheese? Yep, cream cheese. When can I move into a big kid's car seat? Uh... For some questions, parents may not have the answer, but that's okay. They can't know everything, but knowing the right seat for their age and size will help protect them in a car crash. Find out more at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Where do babies come from? Good luck, Dad. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to On Balance with Leland Vitter on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. She was five. I saw her at 73. Nobody else had concerns. She wasn't participating and slept mostly. Her mom listened to her gut and brought her in. They assumed the reason was her dementia. Mom was right. Her daughter couldn't hear high frequencies. Instead, it was a profound hearing loss. And after helping her, educationally, she just took off. She's participating in life again. Find an ASHA-certified audiologist today at asha.org public. What's gotten lost in a lot of news coverage is trust. Dan Abrams and Elizabeth Vargas on America's fastest-growing cable news network, News Nation. News Nation is the place that people can come because they trust that at the least we're trying to be straight with them. Every point of view is represented. That's what we do. We only earn that trust, keep that trust by every single night fulfilling that mission. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, 
Veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. That's video from the Israeli special forces. They're essentially Navy SEALs rescuing some hostages from one of the checkpoints that happened all the way up here, right near the Erez crossing. Happened on Saturday, they just released the video, but it shows you the kind of close quarter combat that's gonna exist on every street corner um, in Gaza. As we know, the Israelis have closed off much of southern Israel here, getting ready for the ground invasion. It's what, 2.30 right now there. If they haven't launched tonight, probably tomorrow night or the next night, so they have that cover of darkness. We've talked about this buffer zone that the Israeli tanks are gonna have to go through. So all here, all through about a, within about half a mile of the border, the Hamas guys have set up booby traps, tank traps, uh, clear lines of fire for anti-tank missiles and the like. The Israelis have always known about that if they had to go into Gaza. This is what's terrifying them right now is this video will play you. This is the Hamas drones dropping ordnance directly down onto ammunition sites uh, and end observation sites. Uh, that is the exact same thing that the Hamas drones are going to do to the Israeli Merkava tanks that was their, their armor of protection as they headed into Gaza in the past. The drones are new. Ehud Olmert, uh, the former prime minister and war hero in Israel, uh, said uh, everything you can imagine and worse is waiting for Israeli troops when they head into Gaza. And we've shown you just how densely packed the streets are. We took a picture just here of a, of a generic street um, inside Gaza. It is not a pretty place. But think about Israeli squad or troops moving down here, uh, even if they have tanks protecting them. Below are tunnels. Below likely is where the hostages are, but you can also have booby traps and the Hamas fighters can move uh, in the tunnels themselves. Also, mines and booby traps laid here, not only at street level, but uh, you can put men and equipment up here uh, in the roof decks, because there are uh, a number of buildings in Gaza that are pretty high that would give Hamas clear lines of sight. Uh, the booby traps not only exist in the streets, but will exist in each and every building. And remember, the Israelis have to clear each one of these buildings as they move in. Uh, the closer they get in terms of combat with Hamas in order to try and protect civilians, the more dangerous it gets for Israeli soldiers. Uh, and lastly, the kids. Two million people in Gaza. Every one of them can be a Hamas lookout, even little kids. And of course, we have not even yet mentioned suicide bombers, which Hamas is famous for. Then we go underground, the, Israel, the tunnel systems, the Gaza Metro, as it is called. Uh, the tunnel systems up near Gaza City are extensive. What's really giving the Israelis headaches right now is these tunnels that extend into Israel. These are tunnels that the Israelis know about. You have to imagine with their intelligence failure uh, over the past week uh, that they have to worry that Hamas has a lot of other tunnels and a lot of other capabilities they don't yet know about. Uh, General Breedlove uh, is with us, General Philip Breedlove, the 17th Supreme Allied Commander of U.S. Forces uh, in Europe. General, it is good to see you. Um, unknown unknowns is maybe what Donald Rumsfeld would have described some of these things as. Is that why we're seeing this delay in the Israelis launching a ground attack? 
Well, first of all, Leland, good to be back on with you. And what a what a very well done run up to this conversation because you have aptly described many of the challenges that Israel will face as they go in. Why are they delaying? I don't think it's really a delay. I think what we see is a nation that knows what it faces when it goes through and over those berms and through those walls and it hits that dense urban area, dense as you described it in buildings and dense in people. And I think what they're doing is what we call preparation of the battlefield. They are setting conditions to the best that they can to have the most successful entry. They're using what intelligence they've gathered. They're trying to hit and strike and protect against all of those those booby traps, IEDs, improvised explosive devices. They're anticipating that and preparing the best way in. And when they reach the point where they think it's no more uh, gained by delaying, then they'll go through. This is, uh, you think- as you described, one of the toughest missions that that armed forces do. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this before. Um, I, I, you know, we've seen ground incursions into Gaza um, in urban combat. You think about sort of the Hamas strongholds in green here. Uh, I would assume the Israelis are going to do what they've done before, which is try to cut off the ability uh, of the of Hamas to move north to south and then move in uh, like this and try to try to crush them against each other. Uh, my question, just in terms of the urban combat idea, it's one thing to go in and try to diminish Hamas. The, the order of battle, uh, at least coming from Prime Minister Netanyahu and from the defense minister, is to eliminate Hamas. And I'm wondering what you make of that. Um, you get that order as a military commander. I don't know how that really even works or is carried out in a place where all they own this much area and who really is Hamas? Is it only 30,000 fighters, or is it every kid who puts on a green bandana? Well, this is, this is important. The words, I think, that are being used by Israel's leadership are important, and they're a message not only to their troops, but, but it's a message to Hamas. And frankly, mm-hmm. to the, the Palestinians who are not a part of Hamas, Uh, It is setting a very high bar, and people are to expect violence. And that violence is going to carry uh, through most of this mission. And so we now understand what uh, the leadership expects from their troops. And hopefully the good people of Palestine will get out. Yeah, we, we talked about that earlier, about sort of the, and also, look, you've got the public relations issues uh, and the expectations of the world that always uh, seem to hold Israel uh, to a double standard. Uh, General, I only got about 30 seconds. I just wanted to get your thought on this. Uh, Israel hit Damascus International Airport, Aleppo International Airport. Uh, you think about those flight lines, fairly long flights now for the Israelis. There were weapons coming in from Iran uh, into Syria. What do you make of the Israelis sort of being overtly aggressive now, uh, not only, obviously, against Gaza, but they wanted everybody to know they hit Syria. They they uh, have done this before. When Iran, yeah. and remember, Iran is supplying this. When Iran sends these more capable missiles through those airports in Syria and then across the ground to Hezbollah and to Hamas, 
Israel is going to strike them. I don't think this is a show. This is deadly business. They know where the arms are coming, where they're landing, and they're going to destroy them before they get to the battlefield. Yeah, and, and look, to the Israelis' credit, that takes some pretty good intelligence. So we understand at least one of the planes coming from Iran turned around uh, and went back. General Breedlove, it's always good to see you, sir. Your expertise is uh, noteworthy as always. And obviously, as the ground war uh, continues, we're going to have you back, sir. Thanks. Great to see you. Yeah, great to see you. Uh, look, there's a time component for the Israelis here. Their reserves are called up. That's effectively shut down uh, the Israeli economy. Chris Cuomo on the ground in Israel with the pulse of the people. Um, how much of, of an appetite do they have for the losses their soldiers are about to endure when we come back? One of the many Israeli women kidnapped by Hamas during Saturday's attack was Moran Yani. She was selling her jewelry at the music festival. Her family, though, now almost a week in, has no idea if she's among the dead or among the hundreds held hostage in Gaza. They haven't heard from her since this video surfaced. <laughs> Her brother is with us now. Yeah, when you see that video, tell me what look you see on your sister's face and what's happening. When I see her back for her life, uh, you can see that she's very scared. Uh, I can't imagine how it is to be in that situation. When we look on this, this video was posted to TikTok and you can see the Arabic writing. Uh, have the Israeli intelligence services been able to tell you anything about who posted it, whether it came from uh, a, a phone that went back to, to Gaza or whether it was a phone that stayed in Israel? Any clues to where she might be? No, we got no clue. We give uh, all the information we got. We got this information after uh, searching the web and uh, social networks, uh, ourselves, uh, family and friends. And uh, we, we supplied this all the material to the authorities, but we did not get any response yet. Do you no. think, it, how, is it, how is it possible that the Israeli intelligence services that are the best in the world between the Shin Bet and the Mossad and, and IDF and military intelligence, that now six days in, they don't even know if your sister is among the hostages? That, that sort of defies what we, in, at least in America, what we think of the Israeli intelligence services being capable of. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's an extreme situation, and uh, they've got a lot of work to do. It's not uh, just uh, my family. There's a lot of other families with the same, uh, yeah. uh, with this, in the same condition, and they're looking at everyone, and we have, you know, all this war. We've heard from Prime Minister Netanyahu and others when they speak. They don't really speak much about the hostages. They speak an awful lot about... Uh, eliminating Hamas. If you're a member of Hamas, you're as good as a dead man, says the prime minister. This is a very different uh, rhetoric from from Israeli leadership. Normally, it's all about bringing Israelis home. That's that's the solemn promise. That seems to now be a lower priority than attacking Hamas and eliminating Hamas in Gaza. How does that make you feel? Look, I'm not looking for vengeance. I'm uh, focusing only on uh, bringing back my sister home because uh, you have to understand that I have a family and my parents are devastated. There's a lot of people around me that are crushed from this story. We appreciate you telling her story, uh, Leon. We'll be thinking about you. We'll be thinking about Moran. We appreciate it. Thank you. 
That was a couple of hours ago. The full invasion into Gaza, if it is really going to result in the elimination of Hamas, is going to be uh, probably uh, the most deadly war Israel has ever seen or very close to it. The call-up of its reserves effectively uh, frozen its economy. Chris Cuomo is now on the ground in Tel Aviv. Chris, uh, as you talk to Israelis uh, about their resolve on this, is there a willingness to endure the pain uh, that is going to come here in terms of loss of life and uh, loss of their, their young men and women? I think this place is uh, suffocated uh, by pain. I think there's pain. This story is a story of pain. Uh, there is pain in Gaza. Uh, there are innocents there who have basically been uh, elected as martyrs uh, by a terrorist organization. They've been put in a position they did not ask for. Uh, And here, they've been put in a position that they did not ask for. And the pain is everywhere. Now, look, the burden of leadership is that the Israeli government, the Israeli military can't just work on passion. There has to be a pragmatism. And I think you're seeing that play out right now in the form of this dilemma. How do you balance wanting to get back an unprecedented number of your people yeah. who've been stolen, almost all of them non-combatants, and deal with the threat? Tomorrow, Leland, is a huge, crucial day. We saw what happened in Paris. I don't know if you've been playing the video there. Yeah. Uh, there's a call for protests. We'll probably see them in Jerusalem and go cover them. They'll be at the border. Israel cannot go in in any meaningful way with all of these protesters, essentially non-combatants who could become combatants, if there's any mixing of Israeli military with them. So there has to be a hold. We have to see what happens tomorrow. Uh, The bloodshed is inevitable here. The question is, for how long and in what ways? Yeah, I've I've spent an awful lot of Fridays at the Kalandia checkpoint uh, in the West Bank, which is where things uh, tend to kick off over there. And you're right. Uh, old, old city in Jerusalem after Friday prayers. Uh, whether that turns into a combustible situation beyond just some rock throwing and tear gas will tell us a lot about where, where the West Bank heads, which is something that um, really nobody's talked about yet. And I'm glad you're going over to cover it. Chris will be there uh, through tomorrow. Chris, thank you very much. Coming up, uh, one and a half million kids took the ACT test this past year. Well, the numbers are in. They've done terribly, 30-year lows. What is the reason for this when we come back? Dumbing down of America and its predictable results. Our latest example comes from a New York Times op-ed lauding the SAT's relaxed standards. Unless every child attends honor classes, well then, There can't be honor classes. Nobody can attend honor classes. Louisiana's Board of Elementary and Secondary Education has figured out a way to have universal graduation, diplomas for everybody, and there will be no more failing schools. Hmm. That's just some of our reporting over the past few weeks on the lowering of standards in education in the name of equity. Turns out the dumbing down of America is working. Working well, in fact. The average ACT testing for seniors going into college hit a 30-year low. Last year's scores were 19.8 on average out of 36. That's down 0.3 points from to now 19.5. Professor Liberty Vittert, host of MIT's Data Science Podcast, Data Nation is here. 
also a professor of data science at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, it made sense. Well, actually, no, you're younger. So the ACT score should have gone up on average when, yeah, okay. Yeah. So help us understand, are kids really getting dumber or are the tests getting harder? Kids are 100% getting dumber. First, we have lowering of standards, but we also had COVID. Kids lost between one to four years of learning. And, you know, the big problem is we're seeing a huge dip in math, especially compared to English. And that's because, you know, if you didn't understand Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven one year, you can still read the Iliad next year, right? But if you didn't understand pre-algebra, you're not going to be able to do algebra. You're not going to be able to do trigonometry. You're not going to be able to do pre-calculus. You're never going to be able to keep moving forward, and that is a huge problem in our schools and for school after high school. Okay, so school after high school, meaning college, you can't do algebra, you can't do calculus, you can't do calculus, you can't do physics, all of the sciences and everything else, engineering classes that already America is behind and get hurt. Is this really, is there a way to catch up on this? I think we're really in a dangerous spot about catching on it because it's not just COVID, it's also been a lowering of standards. And there's real consequences. If we don't fix that when kids are young, we can't magically fix it in college. You know, think about it. There aren't teachers to write you report cards in college. It's not small classrooms. There's intro courses, these math and STEM science intro courses have 500 or up people in them. Teachers can't, these professors can't give them individualized attention. And this This is a time when our workforce needs basic math skills. We have shortages of nurses. They need to take these STEM classes in college to be able to become nurses, and they're dropping out in hordes because they didn't learn it in high school. All right, so you think about the math questions on the ACT. Um, We're not going to do any of these in our head, although you probably could. The greatest common factor of 42, 126, and 210, not that hard to figure out, especially if it's multiple choice. Uh, A car averages 27 miles per gallon if gas costs $4 a gallon which is the following closest to how much gas would cost for the car to travel 2,727 miles. And I think kids get calculators for this too, don't they? In general, yes. And they still can't figure this stuff out. No, I mean, it's, it's a is total it, it, lowering of our standards you say, and the loss of education. But you say lowering of standards, though. Is it just that people aren't being taught the same things in class? They're being allowed to not fail. So usually if you fail, your parents go, let me help you. We need to do better. We need to do something. But when you're not allowed to fail, people don't know that something's wrong, and they're just letting all these kids slide by. So what, where, where does, quote-unquote, the rubber meet the road? Is it in college, or is it in life? Where is it? It's starting, it, it starts at the very beginning, because it starts with basic essential skills. But these kids are not going to be left jobs after college. And also, America is hurting because of this, because we are, have these enormous shortages in our workforce of people who need these skills. Well, yeah, kid, people who can do engineering and the like. And as we, we reported out of a case in California... In some cases, this is eliminating even the advanced placement courses, right? So even kids who want to be able to learn this stuff um, can't. Liberty, as always, thank you very much. Thank we you. appreciate it. Something pretty amazing is going to happen this weekend. El Al, which is Israel's national airline, is going to fly on Saturday. They don't fly on the Sabbath ever. It'll be the first time they have flights in 40 years. They're sending planes abroad to bring Israelis home to fight. This is how serious it is. The rabbis in Israel who changed the rules for nothing have said it is essential to the survival of Israel that El Al flies on Saturday. Chris Cuomo picks up our coverage from... This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... 
the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.